And then we're going to stand and read 10 verses. In the old chapter, it's not much. Five chapters. And I'm going to help you, preacher, if you'll let me. I'm going to help some of you critical Christians. For five chapters, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, Isaiah said, Woe you. Everywhere you look, woe you. Everybody was wrong but him. For five chapters in the book of Isaiah, he said, Woe you, written babies. Woe you, hypocrites. But in chapter 6, he saw the Lord. And for the rest of 60 chapters, he never said, Woe to anybody but himself. Oh, he said, Woe to me. Oh, listen, after he saw God, he quit that warning. You see, you find a preacher that's always critical of everything, everybody. He hadn't seen the Lord in a long time. Amen? Now, listen, if you'll let me, I tell you, you find me a Christian, and he's always come, I don't like the choir. I don't like Brother Jerry singing. I don't like the lady plays again. Brother, let me tell you something. If they ever get a good vision of God, they'll quit that man. See, they're coming in looking for something wrong. And you can always find something wrong. You say, you can always find something wrong. But Isaiah, after chapter 6, never said woe to anything or anybody but himself. And he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I want you to see the Lord high and lifted up. So if you have your Bible, chapter 35, the book of Isaiah, would you stand with me, please? I want to read the, uh, the uh, 10 verses in this great chapter. Now listen to what verse 1 says, because you'll have to come back to that. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Well, one day, Coleman's going to see the glory of the Lord. I got news for bless God, I'm going to see it before then. Every once in a while, God gives me a little taste and a little peep in the sea. Listen, I doubt I didn't get a look once in a while uh, to look at the glory. God, we, we're, we don't have to go around. We're born in glory. Now, look at what the scripture said. Uh, he said, Strengthen ye weak hands and confirm feeble knees. Say to them that have a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not, because your God will come to vengeance, even your God will recompense, and he will come and save you. Now, look at this, I'm going to tell you something. God's going to save Israel. And if you get saved, God's going to have to do the saving. I'm glad God saved me before the Baptist got a hold of me. Say I've seen such a mess as Baptist made out of people. I'm glad God got a hold of me before the Baptist did. Amen? Oh, it's pitiful today. God has to do the saving. And he said, I will come and save you. Well, that's a blessing to know God. Look what the scripture says. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. I got a fellow, I got a suit of clothes that it won't fit me up. Blind men gave me two weeks ago at Darlin Odom's church over in Atlanta. I was preaching. And he said, Preacher, I, I've got a suit I just wore one time. I want to give it to you. And I said, You've never seen this beautiful. Its texture is just beautiful. And, and he looked at me out of those rounded eyes. And he said, But one day I'll see. Glory to God, I like to turn three flips right there. When he, he said, one day I'll see. The Bible said, the blind shall see, uh, shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And then shall the lame man leap for the heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For the, in the wilderness uh, shall waters break out and streams in the desert. 
and the parched ground shall be become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of dragons which lay shall be grass and with reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Not a holiness, but holiness. Amen. Amen. That's the difference between true, ho true holiness and some of this mess you see going around today. Amen. 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 And he said, The unclean shall not pass away, but it shall be for those, as the wayfaring men, as though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go thereon, and it, it shall not be found there. But the redeemed, thou like that, shall walk there. I'm glad there will not be a hypocrite on that road. Say amen. Bless God, won't you be glad you walk in that highway and you can't see a hypocrite in 40 miles? Won't that be good? Won't be none. That's great. And listen to what the Bible said. He said, and the ransom of the Lord, uh, the Lord shall return and come to Zion, the songs of everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sign shall flee away. Now, look to me. I'm going to give you something. A lot of sorrow tonight. There are a lot of you that, and listen, you're going to wet your pillow with a Niagara scalding tears. A lot of you are going to get messages. I, I tell you, I miss Carlos tonight. I miss him. I'm trying to pray. I said, God, touch his daddy. It can be your will. And oh, there's sorrow and sign on every hand. But I'm glad there's coming a day, Brother Chris and Mary. Hallelujah. When sorrow and sign shall take wings and flowers. And brother, you talk about a time. It's going to be one. Look at verse 1 one more time. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to be seated. I'll bring you the message. The Bible said, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice. We stop right there. You ever been in the desert? I've been in the desert in the Holy Land. I've been in the desert all the same in Africa. There's not a song there. There, it, there, it, there's no rejoicing there. You go to the desert, there's no shouting in that place. You go to the desert, but there's no joy over there. But he said, then that day, the desert shall rejoice. And then he goes on and said, and, the, and blossom as the rose. Oh, what a blessing. He said, there's coming a day when the desert shall look like a rose garden. Clive Parsons told me, he said, after you preach that, I wrote the broken rose. The broken rose. He said, I don't know how I got it out of that message, but he said, God spoke to me when you was preaching. When the roses bloom again in your garden. And in a moment, I'm going to bring you that message, but I want you to be seated all over the house. And I want you to bow for just a word of prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for every blessing. I want to thank you first tonight for thy presence in this service. Lord, it did be nothing. Oh, God, as we gather here in the singing or the praying or the uh, preaching, if the Holy Spirit was not here. So we come to thank you and bless you. We come tonight because we know the roses can bloom again in our garden. Thank God. We can smell the sweetness of that rose. I'm glad he is the rose of Sharon, the bright and the morning star. And what a blessing it is to know this tonight. So I pray that you speak to my hearts. And may everyone in this house be able to leave here and say, Praise God. I've been where the rose is bloomed again in the service. And we'll praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Beloved, I want you to look this way. I'm going to speak to you on when the roses bloom again in your garden. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could always have springtime? If we could always smell the dew of the morning? If we could always be out there in the garden of God? Now, that's exactly where Isaiah was. He was in the promised land. He was in the land of milk and honey. But he got up and he looked out. Now, before I tell you what he saw, let me say this to you. The roses can fade in your life. Your life can become dry. And your life can become a desert. And your life, my friend, can become a dread. But oh, Isaiah saw it. I meet so many preachers today. And their lives are like deserts and solitary places. Oh, there's no rejoicing. There's no praising. There's nothing that's refreshing about them. They have become a desert or a wilderness. But Isaiah looked across at the promised land. He said, listen, one day that old dry desert will blossom like the old He looked down the telescope of time and he saw the day when that lame man would be lame no more. He looked down and he saw that day when the blind man would be able to see. He looked down and he saw that day Easter, when all would be well, and a highway of holiness would be there, and the roses would bloom again in the garden of Israel. Brother, that's a blessing that you know that. As a preacher one night over in Asheville, North Carolina, the great Jubilee, on when the roses bloom again in your garden, man came up to me two nights later, and he said, I've been able to sleep. I said, why? He said, that sermon, when the roses bloom again. I said, why? Did he keep you from sleeping? He said, all I've been able to smell. I've smelled roses for two days and two nights. And thank God. The roses are blooming again in my garden. But, beloved, it's a proof. The roses can fade in your life. The roses can fade in your heart. The roses can fade in your home. The roses can fade in your church. But if you have your pencil, I'll give you these three who have the roses to fade in their garden. First of all, Abraham, oh, saw the roses fade in his garden. I like old Abraham. The Bible said he was a friend of God. Boy, I tell you, I'm so glad that God's got some friends. I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want to be a friend of God Almighty. And the Bible tells me about Abraham that he staggered not at the promises of God. The Bible tells me that Abraham was the father of the faithful. The Bible tells me that God had to strip him and take everything from him but a tent and an altar. Did you know that's all God left Abraham with? A tent and an altar. That tent was to remind him that he was a pilgrim and a stranger and he was seeking a city over yonder. That altar was to remind him that he had an appointment with God and if he didn't meet God at that altar. I want to tell you, a little girl got up the other night and sang, meet me at the altar. I believe old Abraham got up every morning and said to his wife, Sarah, said, I'm going out and keep my appointment. I've got me an altar. Mister, if a Christian doesn't have an altar, that Christian is in trouble. Abraham, but Abraham, and I have 
have to go hurriedly. Had to learn what three things were like. First of all, he had to learn, my friend, as he looked down time, what land, the land that God had given him. You see, he got his eyes on the blessing instead of the blesser. I want you to know the land he satisfied. God can bless you with everything on the sun, but bless your heart, it won't satisfy you. I used to think when I was a little boy, if I could ever get a Cadillac, or if I could ever get this and that, the other, that doesn't satisfy me. I'd rather ride on a mule. Bless God that has a, an old tie, skin, flop ears, drink French water, eat cornbread, sing amazing grease, then I have the biggest car in this day and be happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. Abraham had to learn the land couldn't satisfy him. And you know what God did with that land? God did two things to that land to prove to him that that land couldn't satisfy his heart. First, he had to send enemies in there. And enemies got in on the land. And he couldn't enjoy it as he should. Secondly, God sent a famine down there. And brother, that land became a desert. Listen to me. He had to learn what the land was like. Secondly, he had to learn what Lot was like. He had no Lot in his family. His car was the devil. And always looking towards Sodom and want the things of this world. Did you know the devil will put somebody in your family just as carnal as the devil? When you begin to talk about Jesus and shout the victory, they'll say, now, you know, he's going a little too far. Why, bless God, most of you have to get a ladder to touch bottom. Say, man, bless God, you're not too far. And he had to learn what God was like, had to learn what the land was like. Number three, this is precious. He had to learn what the Lord was Oh, would you learn to a lot of Lord's life? I want to tell you, you talk about shouting ground. Mister, when you learn what the Lord's like, he's tender, he's loving, he's kind, he's merciful. Oh, when you learn what God's like, I tell you, we need to learn what the Lord is like. You say, preacher, how did Abraham learn what the Lord was like? Abraham looked down, and, uh, looked down, and then he looked up, and God said, Abraham, you love me. Oh, what did God ask you tonight if you love him? And he said, my God, you know I love you. He said, take thy son, thine only son, thy son whom thou lovest. Oh, isn't that just a picture of Jesus in Calvary? And God the Father giving his son? He said, take him yonder and offer him up as a sacrifice, and I'll show you what I'm like. Praise God, I like that. I see Abraham coming that night, and he said to Sarah, Sir, we're going to have prayer. And in the morning, me and little Isaac's going to get up early. And we got to go because I'm, I'm going to find out what the Lord's like. And boy, I can still go to bed. The next morning, they're up. And I see Abraham say to Isaac, go kiss Mama bye. And he kisses her bye. And they get on the camels and they go three days as a type of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Thank God. I'm glad they went three days. And it's a type of his death, burial, and resurrection. And when they got to the place, oh, the place called Moriah, the place called Calvary, really. And they got there. 
Uh, God said, Abraham, leave out of the crowd. Take thy son and go yonder and worship. And he took three things with him. He put some wood on that little boy. That's a type of the cross. He took the knife in one hand and the fire in the other hand. And he said, son, we're going yonder to worship. Oh, did you know that's the first place in the Bible the word worship's mentioned? In fact, in the Genesis 22, it's the first place love is mentioned. He said, take thy son whom thou lovest. Oh, he loved his son. And I want you to know this. I got that hill and got very far. And that little boy looked up and he said, Papa, he said, you got the fire and you, I got the wood on my back. But where is the lamb for the birthing? Here's one of the greatest prophetic statements in the word of God. I'm glad that Abraham looked down and he said, Son, God will provide himself. I want you to know, thank God, when old John the Baptist came out of the wilderness, he held up his hand and he said, There is that lamb that God promised that nation. Well, Abraham has loved a heart of blessing that was... But they got a plan to build an altar, and they got the water hot, and they got the fire, and he put the sword down, and the knife, and got it red hot, tied to the Isaac's hands, and, and he said, son, the roses have faded in my garden. I prayed for you 25 years, and now I, I can't see any sunshine. I don't hear any singing, son. I'm going to have to offer you up. And he ties that little boy's hand and lays him on the altar. Here's what I believe. I don't know whether it's so or not, but I believe old Abraham was so tender. He reached over and kissed him on one cheek and said, that's for me. said, I'll meet you there. Praise God. I believe he kissed that other little cheek and said, that's for your mother. But he said, son... We'll go back together on that hill. I want you to know he believed if he killed that little boy, that God was going to raise him up. And I want to tell you something just as sure as you in this house. And my name's Brother Means. If I didn't believe in a resurrection, I quit preaching, brother. You say that you believe. Let's serve. Bless God, the tomb is empty now. And because he heals, we shall live. And you don't have to worry about it, brother. It's a miracle. Everyone is coming out of their graves. I'm glad I got a ticket for the first one. Oh, the first resurrection. Now watch this. I want to show you something. Abraham said, son, it's all right. And I believe the father called the angels over and said, boys, come over here. See that old man down there? That's me. See that boy? That's my son that's going to Calvary. And said that he's learning about me right now. So then he just bend over heaven and look down at, at that little boy and I call that all. Abraham reaches over and takes that, that knife out of the fire and starts down on that boy. God's trains always run on time. God said, Abraham, Abraham, stay thy hand. I'm glad God said, you're not going to do it. I just wanted to see that you wouldn't do it. And I told Abraham, his heart's broken. He said, yes, but God, the roses have faded in my life. But you know what the next verse says after God stopped him? He said, lift up your eyes in the thicket over yonder. There's a little ram that's caught in that thicket. And when Abraham looked over there and saw that substitute and saw that little lamb, he said, the rose is a blue again. Oh, my God. Praise God. I 
Bible, she didn't know that. The roses bloomed again in his mind. Let me give you something. Frank Sales said this years ago. I don't know where so or not. But he said, when Abraham saw that crown of thorns, or saw those thorns that had that little ram caught, he said it was the crown of thorns. I don't know, but I want to tell you something. He's caught in a thicket of thorns. Oh, you hear me? I'm glad that Abraham went over and took that little ram out and came back and split its throat and put him on that cross. And then he said, let's go down yonder and tell those men that we're still together. <laughs> and I believe they got halfway down the hill. Now, this is not in the Bible. But I believe Isaac said, excuse me, Papa. i got to go back up here. I believe he went back up and said, thank you, ma'am. I'm going home because you died. <laughs> that I'm going home because all is well. Are you listening to me tonight? I'm glad I've been to Calvary because he died. I'm going home. Jacob was slowly changed. 
You know, these old saints that's walked of these country miles out here, these old saints that have lived for Jesus for 50 and 60 years uh, through many dangers, uh, but he's God. And first, they've already come, and God has slowly conformed them into the image of his dear son. My daddy was dying, and he looked up and he said, Son, why? Why didn't God let me die for God's sake? Why all the suffering? That old lady in intensive care said, I'm sorry, preacher. You'll have to go out for 10 or 5 minutes. I said, Daddy, I'm 10 minutes. You want to come back? I went back to intensive care in 5 five minutes, and he looked up in the tears. He said, you got the answer? I said, yeah. Oh, he said, I'm glad. He said, why? I said, the Lord is just conforming you and conforming you. I said, brother... I said, Dad, I'm glad you're looking more like Jesus. Oh, yeah. And he looked up at me and he raised that hand and he said, it's worth it all just to be like him. Are you listening to me tonight? As sure as there's a God in heaven, Jacob was really changed. And I can tell you many things about how he was changed. Let me give you two things when I have to leave. His flowers faded. Jacob's life became a desert. You know, when... Ten brothers came in with an old bloody coat and said, Papa, he's dead. Papa, a beast slay your son. See this blood? Papa, it's, it's too bad, isn't it? Papa, you'll never see Joseph. He's dead. His rose is faded in his garden. Many years later, a caravan pulled up in front of Jacob's house. He was an old crippled man now. He walked out and said, and my boy is coming back with corn from Egypt. But I wonder, wonder what music they like. And they're clapping their hands. And they ran in and Reuben said to Simeon, let me tell him. And, uh, and Simeon said, tell him, Reuben. Reuben said, he lives in Egypt. That old bloody coat, I don't believe that. All these years, every time I looked at that cold coat, he said, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. And I can see him, she said, and you come, this old man got a bad heart and crippled and got not Matthias to join in Peniel across the river of death, really. And you tell me that my son Joseph liveth. And they said, Papa, he knew you'd have a hard time believing it. He sent a wagon out yonder, a wagon train, called almonds. Oh, said, got some of the biggest fruit in the land of Egypt. Said, Papa, all you got to do is to go and look out the window. I see that old man. He said, the rose has been a desert in my heart so long. I see drag that old leg over to that window. And when he sees that gray camel train, he begins to clap those little feeble hands. And he said, he lives. My son lives in Egypt. My son lives. And he said, the roses have bloomed again in my garden. I want to tell you something. I've been to the tomb. I laid down the first time I went to that tomb. By the way, if you ever go over there, you know, you have to bend over. And I got that tomb. And I said to Psalm, my matter, I said, where's the key? And he told me, and I got the key, and I cut, I cut that door open. And I went in and took off my shoes. And I laid my feet where his feet had been. 
I put my head where his head had been. I said, Lord, I'm going to be sacrilegious. But let me feel just a little bit of the same fire that raised you from the dead. Something hit me right in the top of the head when it went plumb out my toes. I jumped up and ran out in the crowd and come down to have a sunrise service. And they saw me run out of that tomb. They thought the second resurrection had already taken place. I, I want to tell you, and I said the tomb is empty. I've seen the wagons. Listen to me, the roses. Bloomed again in Jacob's let me give you one more. If I don't have time, I'll give you three more, but I'll just give you one. Listen to me. The roses bloomed again in Job's Oh, I love old Job. I'll tell you, you need to study Job. I got a sermon where I preach the whole 42 chapters in one service. I give a whole panorama of the book of Job. And oh, Job's such a blessing. I want to tell you something. Job! A just man, a righteous man that walked perfect before the Lord. I want to tell you, he hated the devil. We need some jokes around today, brothers. You know that? They'll hate the devil and everything. But the rose is faded in his garden. Now, the Bible said he's the richest man in the east. I mean, some people come and think, bless God, a preacher, or wear patch breeches. Did you know that? And it might be good to wear some patch breeches. It wouldn't hurt us, bless God. But God's been good to us. And God's let us have nice things. And I praise the Lord for that. But listen, Job was rich. His richest man in the east. And he had camels. And he had all these blessings. But four things caused the roses to fade in his garden. Write them down. First of all, he was crippled by bankruptcy. One day he had it all. The next thing, next day he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to tell you, one day he had 7,000 camels. The next day he didn't have any camels. One day he had sheep. And the next day he didn't have sheep. It takes old-time religion, brother, when you lose everything in one day to get on your knees and look up and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, anybody can shout as long as all the sheep are there. Anybody can shout as long as all the cattle are there. But I want to tell you something. He was crippled on that bank of sick. I remember when the banks were closed up home. And uh, I this one preacher. You never heard me come tell old pitiful tales and tell you I'm on starvation? Why, if you'd have seen that chicken I ate over the night, I started preaching on I'll fly away. I'm telling you, praise God, say, why, you never put, listen. Kentucky Fried has never seen anything like that. And boy, it was as good as you've ever tasted. It was delicious. But I remember when the banks closed, and Daddy said, Son, let's go down to the bank. And, uh, but he, we didn't know it closed. And we got down there, standing in line. Daddy said, You'll get 20% on the dollar. I had $42 in it. I knew exactly. 1932, I had $42. I said, Daddy, I don't want no 20%. I want my $42. My daddy. Saw the man come out from the bank, the president. He said, the bank's clothes were bursting. I said, Daddy, I want my money. He started to cry. Tears came his eyes. He said, son, we got to go home. We got to the house, and my mother, whose name was Lillian, was lying on the couch. And she'd been praying. And Daddy walked in. She knew something was wrong. And she jumped up and said, Mays, what's wrong? My daddy said, we've lost everything, honey. My little old mother clapped her hands and said, no, we haven't. As long as we've got God and one another, we have lost everything. Oh, I want to tell you, as long as you've got God, and brother, you've got one another, you have lost everything. He was crippled with bankruptcy. Secondly, he was crushed by bereavement. Some of you have lost one child or two children. 
Maybe three at one time, and that's bad, brother. Anytime you have to follow a child to the graveyard. But when you lose ten in one day, oh, you talk about crushed, brother. You talk about the roses fading in his garden. He lost ten in one day. Listen to me. I want you to know he was crushed. Brother Ben Kennedy was going to be with us next year. I went down like this little boy died. And there we'll forget it. Me and Ralph Sexton went in. Old Billy walked over to us and his eyes said protruded out and they were real red. He cried. He said, see that little baby boy there? I said, yes, Billy. He said, last week I wasn't thought he'd be in that casket. said, I got him a little swing. And they, he'd sit in that little swing. And, and said, Doc, that's his wife, and said, yeah, he's coming home after the revival tonight. And said, he'd be out there sitting in that swing looking for daddy. But said, he won't be in that swing anymore. And those old eyes that protruded and as red as chicken butt, and he was crying. And he said, I was coming out of Jacksonville, Florida the other day. And you said, here's Billy Kelly, and he's going to sing, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. And he said, step back, wrap you in these. Wrap you to casket of my boy. I want to sing it. That's the best he ever sang. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. I want to tell you, Job was crushed with bereavement. He's crippled by bankruptcy. Number three, he was covered with boils. Now, I had one one time. That's bad enough. If that one's anything signed what others are, you have every one of them. I don't want another. I got off the airplane Knoxville. <laughs> and uh, Brother Bob said, well, so I had a big bore right here. And Bob said, please, you're walking crooked. I said, yeah, but my sermons are straight, bud. Say, man, boy, I've been over. I've been over. I'm telling you, you was killing me. And he said, I'll take you to the doctor. I said, no. <laughs> I'll freaking, boy, we had the best time. And every time I'd jerk a little, that, that boy would kill me, and I'd start crying. And everybody in the congregation joined in. They thought, boy, the whole Ghost show his blessing. Old man says, and boy, they cried. And you know what Bob did? He took me to see an osteopath. And I thought that was a long, you know, long bill bird. I didn't know what an osteopath was. That guy got me in there and said, sit down. Then he said, lie down. Put your feet together. He said, Brother Jackson, you're out of line. I said, I can save this $10, bless God. I knew it was out of line for you here. And that doctor said, I'll fix you up. And he got my leg, and he popped it, and he popped my arm. I said, hey, Doc, the ball's on the back of my neck. Bless God, it's not on my leg. And he's a popping around there. And I got up went out, and he knew my ball any good at all. I got off after the rally service Sunday. Bob took me to the airport, and I got up. I said, I'll see you next year. He said, boy, we had the best revival we ever had since you've been coming to Knoxville, Tennessee. He said, my people have cried more. He said, I want to tell you, if the first night's dry next year and the second night's dry, I'm praying for a boy. Thank God. He said, but I want to tell you, I had one. Job had him covered all from the crown of his head to the tip of his toes. Listen, he had that fatal. Boils had no cure. And Job, listen, he was covered with boils. And then here's the worst thing about him that made his... His rose is fade. He had his wife cursed him. Oh, his wife cursed him. Cursed him. She said, Job, I thought you had some integrity. Have you lost it? Why don't you curse God and die? 
No, Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. Oh, I said, you're talking crazy, honey. I'm just telling you, you're foolish. said, just because the clouds are hanging low and the sun's not coming through today. said, it's still shining on the other side of that cloud. And said, honey, I want you to know I'm not going to curse him and die. I want you to know this woman was foolish in saying, Job, curse God and die. A lot of your people will tell you, and his rose, his face is all alone. But if you'll turn to the 42nd chapter and verse 10, oh, the roses put again. You say, how, preacher, man? I want to tell you how. Uh, one day he called his wife and said, honey, you believe, you believe, you believe, you should kill him. I got twice as many sheep, <laughs> twice as many camels. Ain't that good? He said, honey, got twice. And I said he had twice as many children. The old lady down the ladder came to me and said, no, he didn't have twice as many children. I said he did. He had ten on the ground. He didn't have to say amen. Praise God. I want you to know, but I see him stand there. And he says to his wife, look at all those sheep. Christ said, look at how God's blessed us twice. In the end, more than he did in the beginning. And I hear him say, the roses that blew the dim in my garden in England. Because of time, let me give you this illustration. I'll close. I used to go to Canton, North Carolina. Canton's a little place where they got a paper meal. And boy, it smells. You can smell it ten miles before you get to the city limits. And I used to go over there and hold meetings all the time. And there are great people over there. I mean some great people. But you know why I didn't want to go? You had to fight two things, the devil and the smell. I never smelled anything like I mean, it was terrible. And I, I'd be over there preaching. But the preacher told me about something that happened in Waynesville, just five miles away. He said, Brother May, several years ago, there was a Christian couple over here. And they had a little boy. And that Christian couple prayed, God, let us rear him to be a mighty man of God in Western North Carolina. You know that little boy? Oh, he left to go to Sunday school, he left to go to church, and then his daddy got real sick. And the daddy died. But before the daddy died, he looked up and he said to his wife, honey, make him a great man. And he said, honey, you may have to scrub floors, and you may have to go out and beg. You may have to work 24 hours a day, but promise me, Give him all you got, and that'll be a payday at the end of the road. In other words, he's saying the roses will bring him up for you one day. And so she took her husband out to the grave a few days later. She told that little boy, she said, I'm going to keep that promise. He started growing, and he went from once a grade to another grade, and finally came to the high school. And then she was working in three jobs and doing everything she could to keep him in school. And then he came to the 11th grade. They didn't have 12 in those days. And he didn't want to let her know. But she found out he was going to be the valedictorian of the class. She found out that he had all the honors in the senior class that year. And she took little pennies that she had saved. Went down to Patton Avenue in Asheville. Bought the best pair of shoes she could find. Bought the best suit she could find. And she came back and she said to him, I, I know, and said, it'll be worth everything. She said, the roses will bloom again in my garden as I sit in the back of that auditorium and see you stand up and make your speech. And I'll look up to heaven and tell my husband, husband, he's all right. 
came through just like I promised that he would by the help of the Lord. That boy said, Mama, I got to practice for two days. For the got to practice the name. We're soon giving out other plumbers. But said, Mama, I want you to come. But Mama, I want you to sit way back under the balcony. She thought it meant where nobody could see her because she didn't have good clothes. The night of the graduation came. The ninth superintendent of the county schools got up and said to the principal of the faculty, I'm glad to be here to present these awards from graduation night. Then he turned to the principal and said, Now you give out the rewards, then we'll give out the diplomas. And uh, the principal said, Ladies and gentlemen, parents, students, Waynesville High School, it gives me a privilege to give out rewards. And said, The first one is the valedictorian. And I want him to stand. And he stood. And the principal said, come over. And he said, no, sir. I want you to count down to number 11. That's where my diploma is. I'm watching in the tomb. And then she said, why? He said, because I want my diploma now. And back underneath the balcony in the darkness was a little ragged mother. And when that principal reached over and got the 11th, one and handed it to him with his reward. He got up and fixed his little tinsel, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, faculty, students, and parents, it gives me a great honor to stand here. He said, I've got this in my hand, but it's not mine. He said, I want my mama to stand back out here, and I want her to come down. This is going to be my speech. She put shoes on me when I was barefooted. She brought me to sleep when I sit. She worked 24 hours a day at times to give me clothes to wear food I said, Ma, stand up. I want you to sit back there because you'd have a long ways to let people see you come down the aisle. <laughs> that little mother started walking down that aisle, clapping those hands. That boy ran down and kissed her, brought her back, and put his arm around her and said, Mama, this is your diploma. And this is your valedictorian medal. And she looked up and she said, Son, it's worth every year. It's worth every heartache of every hand. Oh, to receive it at the end of your graduation. I want to tell you, mister, when the roses bloom again in your garden, by God, at the end of the road, it'll be worth everything that you have ever experienced and ever had, mister. The roses will bloom again in your garden. Every head by the right, close the back.